Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. So before we start the message today, we'll just open up in prayer. So if everyone could bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we're so grateful that we can come here and we can, we can talk to you, Father, and we can learn from you. And God, right now we just ask that as we, as we open up your word today, God, I pray that you speak to us and you teach us, God. God, I thank you that you are, you are sovereign over all. And so, Father, we just, we just ask right now that you open our hearts to hear from you, Father. We pray that you open our, our ears to hear what you have to say. We pray that you open our minds to understand it, and you open our hearts to take it in and really put it into practice, God. Um, Father, we just thank you so much that you are such a great God. And we lift your name higher, God. And we thank you again for, for all the mothers here. And we thank you that, that you have really given them a, go- a job from you. And so, Father, we just lift your name higher and, and we continue to thank you in your holy name. Amen. All right, so we're in this series, as you can see, as, and as the dope video showed, we're in the series Rise and Fall. And basically what this series is about, it's about the rise and the fall of different leaders as, as written in the Bible. And so what we're doing is we're basically picking out different leaders in the Bible and we're saying, hey, this guy did this and that's what caused him to rise to power, but then he did this and that's what, what, where his fall was. And so we're looking at these different things um, because as leaders, we want to grow. How many of you are, are leaders here by a show of hands? Let me rephrase the question. How many of you are mothers here? We'll start with mothers as a, as a show of hands. All right, Cool. You guys are leaders. How many of you are fathers here? As a show of hands. Yeah, cool. You guys are leaders. How many of you are breathing oxygen currently? Raise your hands. Yeah? Yeah? Cool. You guys are leaders. <laughs> Basically, every single person here is a leader in some way, shape, or form. Whether you're a leader on your campus, whether you're a leader in your classroom, on, um, in your workplace, with your family, whether you're a leader with a group of friends that you go hiking with, whether you're a leader in the, the person you commute to work with, whether you're a leader in whatever way, shape, or form, every single person here is a leader. Um, statistics have shown, I can't quote where, but it's shown, uh, it's shown that even the most introverted person will impact the lives of up to 10,000 people. In, in their entire life. That is, that is the most introverted person. So imagine uh, the shut-in who stays home, watches TV, works online, and only goes out to buy groceries. That person will impact the life of up to 10,000 people throughout the course of their existence. So how much more um, guys like, like Elmore, who are a little more outgoing than the average, I'm assuming you seem like it. I, I honestly don't, don't know you on that level, but I'm going to assume. It's okay. He's a leader. <laughs> And so we all impact people in our lives. We all have people that we have impacted. Um, We all have people who take our influence. We all have people who we have influence over. Whether you like it or not, this is just a part of life. And so the point of this series is basically to encourage us that, you know, as we're impacting people, as we're uh, interacting in the lives of others— that we can, do it, uh, we can do it in the most positive way possible, that we can make the most impact, the most um, positive impact possible. If you're in your workplace, if you're a leader in your workplace, this is a way to ensure the most success possible by following um, kind of the lessons that we're teaching through these leaders, the, the principles that these leaders have shown. In your workplace, it's a way to do that. If you're a, a leader in your school, this is a way that you gain success. If you aren't any, any leader in that, um, if you're a mother or a father, this is a way that your family will um, grow and grow in leadership and in, in, um, in, in whatever. Is these are basically just principles of leadership to help you benefit 
in your life, to help you grow in whatever aspect of life you're in. Even if you want to be a leader, these are things that you can learn and take from to, to become a, a, a leader, to grow in stature and to grow in whatever. So the first week we talked about an early king before, or an early leader before in Israel. And um, what we learned from that is leadership is about personal sacrifices. It's about um, sometimes laying down our, our own desires for the, good of, for the good of others, for the good of, of what God has called us to. And then the week after we talked about the king Saul and his rise to power and, and, and then eventually his fall. And we learned that Saul fell because he put himself above God. As he started praising himself rather than praising God. And that was where his fall came from. And then the week after, last week, Armin spoke about uh, David. And David is uh, a mighty man. Everybody knows about David. And, and, but we, what we learned is that David did have times when he fell. Even though he was one of the most successful kings of Israel, there were times when David fell. And, and the, the, the falls come from the little things that seem insignificant. And so we learned from, from Armin to, to, even in the insignificant little things, to be strong and to continue to follow after God. And so this week, we're going to be talking about a new king. And so this, uh, we're, we're talking about the King Solomon. Um, most of you might know who Solomon is. And so for those of you who don't, we're just going to go over a quick kind of, uh, I think Armin said a Facebook profile of Solomon. So these are kind of details about who Solomon is. is he, first off, he was David's son. Is Solomon was the son of King David, who we talked about last week. And David, as we learned, was, was one of the greatest kings, and he brought the borders of uh, Israel to a huge expansion. And so Solomon was the, the king who inherited that. And we talked about last week as well that Solomon was the son of David and Bathsheba. And if you guys remember, Bathsheba was the woman that David had ended up committing sin with. And... Um, then eventually, and so that shows us even something cool, is that God can even redeem the things that we have messed up in. Is even in the times that we've, uh, we've messed up or screwed up, or, or even in the times that we've, uh, you know, committed sin against God or, or hurt other people, is that God can still redeem that. He can still bring good out of that. Is he's not too powerful, that you're not too far gone, that God can't save you. And so David was the son of, of Bathsheba and David. So that's another thing. He was the king of Israel. That's the second thing is he inherited the kingdom after David. So after David had passed away, Solomon was the one who came in and, and took his place on the throne. Um, and not only was he the king of Israel, but he was the king of Israel who brought Israel to the peak of its existence, to the highest point that it's ever been at. Um, just some things about it is that in the, in, in the time under Solomon's rule, uh, silver was as common as stones, it says. So it, think about it like this. I know that's kind of an um, interesting picture, but think about it like this. Uh, how many of you have seen a penny when you're walking down, down the street on the sidewalk, yeah? You've seen a penny, right? I mean, I'm sure we've all experienced that. You see a penny and you think, ah, oh, it's just a penny. I can't really buy anything with that. I'll leave it there. It's not worth bending over and picking up. So think about a penny and think about a rock. How, which is worth more, a penny or a pebble on the sidewalk? Penny, right? Because the penny actually has monetary value. Well, think about the rock on the sidewalk as silver in Solomon's kingdom. That's how common it was is that, you know, maybe I'll kick the rock if, if I'm feeling up to it, or I, but I probably won't pay much attention to a rock on the side of the road. That's how common silver was in Solomon's kingdom is that it was so common. The kingdom was so rich that silver was like a little rock on the side of the road, and so you can imagine, if that's what silver is, how much more money did, did the kingdom of Israel have? How much more uh, chariots and horses? And how much uh, influence did the kingdom of Israel have? They must have been ballin' 
Like, they must have had money coming out of their ears if silver is that common. I mean, now we kind of scrimp and save and scrap for silver. But for them, it's just chump change or whatever. And so that's, that's kind of one of the states of Israel is that it was at its peak of it, the peak of its existence. Um, some, another detail about, about Solomon is he wrote three books of the Bible. He was, um, he was quite, quite smart. We'll talk about that later. But he actually wrote three books of the Bible. If you've read uh, Proverbs, if you've read uh, Ecclesiastes, and if you've read Song of Solomon, Solomon wrote all three of those books. And they're, they're in the Old Testament. Uh, Proverbs is a phenomenal book. I think everybody should have read through it at some point. Um, another thing about him is he was, and, and this is probably what you've heard most about Solomon, is that he was considered the wisest man who's ever lived. Is that before him, there was nobody as wise as Solomon, and after him, there was no one as wise as Solomon. Is that Solomon was considered this man of just profound wisdom that has never been matched and isn't matched to this day. So I'm pretty sure most of us have heard about that. And so what brought about Solomon's rise? Obviously, Solomon was a pretty successful dude. If he brought the kingdom of Israel to the peak of its existence, to a point when silver is as common as rocks, what brought about his rise? I'm pretty sure we all, all of us on some level want to be successful like that. We want to have success in, what, in the things that we do. And so in the same way is that Solomon, um, we, want, we want to learn what, what did Solomon do that brought about his rise? And so uh, to learn that, we're going to open up our Bibles. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Kings 3, verse 10, or verse 3 to 10. And if you don't have your Bibles, you can just follow along as I read. That's cool. Come on. Come on, technology. Okay. There we go. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was a great high place. Solomon used, used to offer over a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at, by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great steadfast love to your servant David, my father. Because he walked in you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept, him, uh, kept for him this great steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on the throne to this day. And now, O Lord God, you have, made the, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go in or, come, or come, go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your great people, whom you have chosen, a great people, too many, to be, uh, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? And it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. So what does, what does this show? What does this show about the rise of Solomon? What can we learn from this that, that brought Solomon to power? What, what can we learn that helped Solomon bring Israel from where it was to being at its best ever? And it's, it's pretty simple. It's, and, and when you read through here, you might not fully understand it until we explain it. But what it really was is it was humility. 
Solomon's rise to power was due to his humility in, in, in how he talked to God. It was due to his humility basically as a human being. One of the most important keys to success in our lives is humility. Can we all agree with that? Can, can, can I get some, some, yeah, no, maybe? Mm, get, getting some nods. Some, eh, okay. If you don't agree with that, we'll discuss it. It's okay. You will. But no, humility is something that is so important, especially uh, um, as leaders. Humility is probably one of the most important things. Uh, everybody, everybody has seen the, the, the one guy, and, and everyone knows that one dude or, or, or girl. Or, and you just love hanging out with them, and you just love being with them. And it's just so much fun being with them because they're never consumed with themselves. They're never like, oh, yeah, I did this. Oh, yeah, I did this. I did this. I did this. Because they're just such a humble person. Everybody loves that person and wants to be with that person. Whereas you, you, can, you can kind of pick out the people who are kind of a little more obsessed with themselves. And they're like, yeah, I got these shoes for $20,000 because I worked hard for it, and I did this and this, and my accomplishments and all that. And you know, those people, they're, they're, they're great and all. God loves everybody. It's just, you know, sometimes as, as humans, we sort of take a step back of the people who are a little full of themselves and a little proud. And I know I've been that person on more than one occasion, and I'm still struggling to not be that person because God wants us to be humble. But in reality, one of the keys to success is humility, is being that person that everyone wants to be around simply because they're humble, because they're a humble person. And we can all recognize that, right? Yeah? No, if not, you will later. It's fine. So how is it that we become a humble person? So obviously the takeaway lesson is that Solomon's rise to power was due to his humility. That's kind of, if you're writing your notes, that's the main point of this. So how do we become humble like Solomon? What is the way that we, we do that? How, how can we take that lesson, that, that picture of Solomon's humility, and how can we put that into our own lives? Well, Solomon showed us basically three signs. We'll answer that by the end, but Solomon showed us three signs of a humble person. And you can put these signs into practice, yeah, and, and we'll talk about the, the full final ways of, of really um, becoming a humble person. But Solomon showed us three signs of a humble person um, in his response in, in First Kings. And uh, the first is that he understood where it all came from. Solomon understood, understood not only, um, if you have that slide, Solomon understood not only where he came from, but where the blessings came from, where the, the kingdom came from. And if you don't believe that, we'll look at the scripture and, and we'll show you. Is that in 1 Kings 3, 6, it says, um, And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on the throne to this day. Solomon understood that, you know, I didn't work for this position. Solomon didn't think like, oh man, I worked for my kingship. I scrapped and toiled and, and strived for my kingship. Solomon understood this kingship only because, comes because my father David. And on top of that, he only got it because of his love for you. And on top of that, he only loves you because you loved him first. It's the only reason I have this position I have is because of you, God. So the, the first, one of the first, one of the main signs of humility is people understand is, is a humble person will understand where they came from is a humble person is willing to acknowledge um, the contribution of others, what others have done. Um, that is something that's definitely quite common here on Guam is, is you know, 
you have a job, and, it's, and, and the reason you have the job is, oh, yeah, my uncle got me that job. I have an uncle who works here. I'll just go work there because he can get me a job, and things like that. And that's so common here, right? And even in the Philippines, I grew up in the Philippines, and so that's why I speak from that, is that it's so common that you just you get this job because your family is, is in this. And Solomon understood that. He understood that I didn't get this job because I graduated from this school, or I didn't get this job because I worked here, here, and here, and I worked hard here, and I didn't get this job because of this and this and this and this. I didn't get this job because I'm tall, or I didn't get this job because I'm fast, or I didn't get this because of this or this. I got this job because David, my father, and not only because of David, my father, I got this job because David loved God. I got this job because God blessed David with his kingdom, and so because of that, I'm receiving this kingdom. So he never claimed to have earned his position to God. He never claimed to say, I worked for everything that I have. Everybody kind of wants to be that self-made man. But the sign, one of the signs of a truly humble person is when they're able to say, I didn't work for everything I have. I was blessed in, in what I have. I was blessed in the position I'm in. And that's, that's one of the signs that, that uh, Solomon showed in his humility. So, so the first is Solomon understood where it all came from. That's the, one, of the, one of the main signs of a humble person. The second sign of a humble person that Solomon showed was he understood his own weaknesses. Solomon understood that, oh man, I'm, I might not be the best to do this job. I might not know entirely everything. Um, if, uh, if, you, if you could pull up 1 Kings 3, 7, and 8, it says, And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I don't know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Is David, or is Solomon understood, oh man, I'm, I'm a child. God, I have no idea how to run this kingdom is, God, I don't know what I'm doing. It's not that he was ragging on himself. It's not like he was saying, oh, man, I'm not good enough, or I can't do this, I can't do that. Oh, oh, I can't do this. It's not that he was doing that. It was that he was recognizing, God, I need help. It's like he, he wasn't ragging on himself simply to rag on himself. He was just saying, God, I don't know how to do this on my own. I need your help. And that is one of the main, uh, a, a huge sign of a humble person is when they can acknowledge that they need help. Um, an example of this, kind of to give you guys a little uh, regular picture of it. As a guy, there is a level of pride in me that is not common to men. I have a greater pride than anyone else. And that is my pride talking because my pride is bigger than everybody else's pride. And I'm sure you've seen this is when, um, when somebody asks you, hey, can you pick up that box for me? <laughs> yeah, I can pick up that box for you. <laughs> And you sit there and you struggle and you can't barely hold the box. And somebody comes up, hey, do you need help carrying that box? No, I got it. I don't need help carrying this box. I'm strong. I'm a man. Love me, dad. And every guy has this level of pride where you don't want to have to ask for help to pick up something. Or maybe you're in the gym and, and you're working out and you have, you have a guy spotting you and you can't barely lift the barbell. And the guy's like, do you need help? Do you need help? No, I got this. Don't help me. Or even in, in other things, if you're, if uh, a lot of people, um, in, in different situations, that's just a situation I can think of, but in a lot of situations, we often, as human beings, have this pride that say, I don't need to ask for help, or I don't want to ask for help. But Solomon understood that I can't do this on my own. 
I can't do this without God. God is the only reason I can be able to do this job. Solomon understood, I'm, I'm but a child. I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. I don't know how to say do this. I don't know how to govern this people. I don't know how to lead an army. I don't know how to do all these things that a king would have to do. Solomon understood that. And because he understood that, he, he was humble enough that he could ask God for help. And so that's, that's another sign is that, um, I'm sure you've heard before, humility isn't thinking less of ourselves. It's just thinking of ourselves less. Humility isn't saying, oh, I'm not good enough to do this. I'm not able to do this. It's just being able to say, oh, I need help to do this. So I'll, I'll go to this person because I know that's their strength. I'll go to this person because they're good at that and I know they'll help me. Humility is being able to say, I can't do it on my own. So a humble person is somebody who can ask for help, and Solomon really showed that. And then the next sign of Solomon's humility was, um, and, and the final sign that we're going to talk about today is that he was eager to be taught. As Solomon wasn't the guy who knew everything. Solomon wasn't the guy who said, God, I'm not good enough, but I know everything, so it's okay. I'll just manage on my own. Solomon was like, God, I don't know how to do this. Can you teach me? And in, um, in uh, 1 Kings 3 verse 9, it said, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? Is Solomon understood, God, I don't, I don't know how to do that. God, I didn't get here because of my own power. I don't know how to run this kingdom. God, can you teach me how to run this kingdom? Can you give me wisdom to run this kingdom so I can discern between good and evil? So rather than... Um, than anything. Solomon asked for wisdom. Solomon asked God to teach him. So a little context behind this whole, um, this whole event of, of Solomon is Solomon had just come to power, and, and he came and he sacrificed on the altar, right? We all remember he went to Gibeon, and he was sacrificing a thousand sacrifices and all that, and he went to this altar, and in his dreams, God appeared to him, and this is like the dream scenario for everyone, is God appeared to him and said, hey, whatever you want I will give it to you. So imagine, imagine this. Just imagine God coming to you and saying, hey, guess what? Anything you ask, whatever it is, I'm going to give it to you. And I know for me, my mind wouldn't probably go to wisdom. My mind would probably go, God, I want a Ferrari, like an Enzo, a lowrider that, you know, can go zero to 100 real quick. Or maybe I want a, a yacht, or I want a machine that can legally print any currency for me so I never have to worry about that. Or, God, I want a new pair of Toms, or something like that. And that's, that's just how my brain works. But Solomon, he was humble enough that when God came and asked him this, when God came and said, hey, ask of me anything, I will give it to you. Solomon could have asked for a huge army. Solomon could have asked for um, his... Uh, his treasury to be filled. Solomon could have asked, God, I want a bunch of hot wives, or God, I want um, a huge garden, or God, I want to be famous, or God. But no, what he asked for was for wisdom. He didn't ask for anything else. He asked God to teach him how to run a kingdom well. And that is one of the signs of humility, is being able to put aside your own desires for the desires of others. It's not thinking less of ourselves, it's thinking of ourselves less. He was thinking for the good of his kingdom. He understood, he understood that he didn't work for the position he was at. He understood that his family got him the job, and not only that, is that the only reason his kingdom was so blessed was from God. 
he understood that. He understood that, you know, he didn't know everything. He understood that he had weaknesses and he needed help from God. He understood that. He understood that I don't, because I don't know enough, God, I want you to teach me how to run this kingdom. So those are three major signs of a humble person is when they're able to uh, acknowledge where they came from, when they can, when they can say that they need help, and, and uh, when they're eager to be taught. Those are three signs of a humble person, and those are three signs that Solomon had shown. And that was really what caused him to rise to power. That was what brought that incline up. And so what was the result of Solomon's humility? What, what did it really do? What was, what was the, the, the final outcome of Solomon being such a humble person? Well, if you open your Bibles to 1 Kings 3, verse 10 to 14, I'll give you guys a moment to turn there. What was the result of his humility? Verse 10, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. Solomon, because of his wisdom, because, he, or because, because of his humility, because he asked God for wisdom, God was more than happy to give it to him. And God doesn't even just stop there. Is I give you also what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Is God was so pleased with how humble Solomon was that he says, guess what? I'm also going to give you long life. I'm going to give you riches, and I'm going to make it so that you are greater than any king in your time. I'm going to make it so that you are the greatest king around. And so because of Solomon's humility, God not only gave him what he asked for, the wisdom, but he blessed him overflowing. He blessed Solomon to a point when silver was as common as rocks on the ground. And so in the same way in, in, in how we live our lives is humility is a huge key to success for us. Is humility can help us walk in that same. Is when we are humble, God sees that we're humble. And not only does he see that we're humble, he's proud of our humility. He enjoys our humility. He is pleased with our humility. And he will reward our humility. And so God wants to do the same thing for us. God wants to see our humble hearts and say, yeah, I'm going to bless you for this. I'm going to bless you for this. So we can understand Solomon. We understand Solomon was, was uh, king over Israel at the highest point of Israel's existence, at the most successful point of Israel's existence. So where was his downfall? Where was the downfall of, of, of Solomon? How is it that, that somebody so humble, how is it somebody so wise, how is it somebody who had this relationship with God could fall? How is it that somebody who, who is in a kingdom that is greater than any other kingdom around could fall? It's like, like looking at um, some of the top companies now, what, what, like, like Apple. Imagine Apple. It's, it's at it's peak, the peak of its existence. It's making as much money as possible or whatever, and then all of a sudden, it just crashes, and in the same way, how did Solomon, what, what is it that caused Solomon's fall? Well, look at it like this. If humility was Solomon's rise, 
then pride was Solomon's fall. As Solomon rose to power because of his humility, and he fell from power because of his pride. And so we can look at it in, in different parts in different parts of the Bible, and, and we can look at it how these three things that, that Solomon had, had been so um, so pleasing to God for, these three things that he understood where he came from, that, you know, um, he understood that he needed help, and he understood that uh, he, he needed to be taught, and he, wanted, he desired to be taught. These same three things are the same three things that Solomon shows signs of turning away from. And so we'll look at that in Scripture as well. And so um, I don't have the Scripture for it because it's a fairly long, long section of Scripture, but there is a part of the Bible um, where Solomon uh, acknowledges that he deserved, he, he, rather than acknowledging where he came from, he began saying, I deserve this. There was a point in Solomon's life where he, he started looking at, at things and started saying like, oh yeah, look at this kingdom. This was, this was after this event, is, is several years after Solomon, what he would do is, he, what he did is he built the temple of Israel, of, of Jerusalem. He built the temple. And so this temple is, uh, was considered one of the eight wonders of the world. It was this phenomenal masterpiece of a building. And he took seven years on it, and, and um, he, he brought, of course, he brought Israel to its peak and all that. And then not only, not only, he took seven years to build this temple, and then he took the king's palace, and he was like, yeah, let's make this palace. Let's take 13 years to build this palace. So he built a palace that took 13 years to build. Seven years on the house of God versus 13 years on his own house. I don't know. Doesn't it seem like we should be taking a little more and giving it a little more to God rather than a little more for ourselves? Is what happened with Solomon is he started looking at his vast kingdom and his riches and, and all that. And he started looking at that and saying, you know what? I worked for this. I worked hard for this kingdom. I was smart enough and I made good decisions for this kingdom. I deserve a great house. I deserve this. I deserve this. And he started looking and that same thing that, that God was so pleased with is the same thing that he turned away from. He turned away from that humility of being able to say that I don't deserve what I have. It's only a blessing. It's only from God. And he started looking at it and saying, yeah, I worked for this. I worked hard for this. And I know in my own life, I can picture things where um, there were times when I could just say like, yes, this is from God. This is a blessing from God. There's no way I could have done this. And then as it starts going, as the success starts coming, it starts shifting my focus to you know what? I've been working really hard for this. I deserve this. I deserve the, 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 the honoring or the whatever. I deserve a reward. I deserve a, a day off. I deserve this and this because I've really worked hard in the same way I can see things in my own life that I've done this at. And I'm sure you guys can too. Or maybe I'm just the only one who struggles with this. It's okay. If not, this is for me more than you. <laughs> And so that was, that was one, of the first, um, one, of the thing, one of the first signs of, of, of Solomon's pride, and that was one of the first starts of his downfall. And then the second was, rather than acknowledging his weakness, he showed off his strengths. Is if, you, if you have your Bibles, if you could turn to 1 Kings 10, verse 23. Um, we're going to read 23 through 29. And so, Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom, and the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. Every one of them brought his present articles of silver and gold, garments, myrrh, spices, horses, and mules, so much year by year. And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots, 
1,200 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. And the king made silver as common as uh, as common in Jerusalem as stone, and he made cedar as plentiful as the sycamore of this Shephelah. And Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Queh, and the king's traders received them from Queh at a price. A chariot could be imported from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. And so throughout the king's traders, they were exported to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. So what does this show us? Is that Solomon's all of a sudden, he's starting to mass up his chariots together. He's starting to pull, pull together his armies and his forces and his horsemen. And he's starting to just give away things like, oh yeah, look, I'm so full of horses. I'm so full of chariots. You can have this. You can have this. And not that generosity is bad. It's that Solomon was showing off his strengths. As we talked about earlier, one of the things is that Solomon understood his weaknesses and he understood that in things he needed help. Whereas in this point, he's starting to say, oh, I'm so strong in my trading. I'm so strong in this. People are coming to me and starting to give me things. Oh, I can just show off my strengths of this. I can show off my wisdom to all these people. I can show off this to this. I can show off my strength in this to this person. And in the same way, that is what, that is what Solomon was doing. Is he was starting to move in pride. Is that pride started creeping in. And rather than the humility of him being able to say that I need help, it was the, humility of, or it was the pride of him saying, oh, you just need this, chump change, whatever, I can do better than that. And so that was another sign of, of Solomon's pride. And, and then the third is that we understood that Solomon, um, he had the desire to be taught and he had the eagerness to be taught. Whereas when pride started creeping in, Solomon no longer began thinking he, Solomon began thinking he no longer needed God's teaching. If Solomon began thinking like, oh, I don't need to be taught by God anymore. I'm wise enough on my own. And, and if you turn your Bibles to 1 Kings 11, 1 to 4, it says, Now Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughters of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, and Sidonian, and the Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall, you, or neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. And his, wife was, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not only wholly true to the Lord God, um, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord God, as was the heart of, his David, uh, of David his father. 700 wives. Oh my gosh. I can barely handle one girlfriend, let alone 700 wives. I, I don't understand how my, my dad or any married man does it, but maybe it's because I'm still young and dumb and I'll learn that lesson eventually. That's besides the point. 700 wives. He began, and, and, and that's not even the, the kicker here. You look, at, you look at what it said earlier on the previous slide. It said that, God instructed him not to marry foreign women. I mean, it's not, I mean, we're not against interracial marriages. If interracial marriage was wrong, I wouldn't exist. So it's not that that is wrong. It's simply that God understood that don't marry people who don't believe in me. Don't marry people who don't believe in God. And in the same way, Solomon, he went through and he married 700 different wives from different nations, from different things. 
from different places, from different beliefs, from different backgrounds. He took a direct teaching from God. God had directly instructed him. He taught him, you know, don't marry 700 wives, don't, or not don't marry 700 wives, don't marry women of foreign nations. He directly instructed him that. And Solomon said in his pride is that, you know what, I don't need God's teaching anymore. I'm wise enough on my own. And I don't think, I don't think Solomon wasn't being wise in this. Um, before politically what marriages in, in royal families were is it was a, an alliance between nations. And so I don't think Solomon wasn't being wise. I think he was being really wise. Solomon was, was being smart. He was allying himself with these nations. He was saying like, oh yeah, I'm going to marry this woman from this nation because then it's not going to be. And, and that, that seems like a smart strategic thing to do. But the thing was, is he was moving in his own wisdom rather than in the wisdom that God had given him. He was moving in a human wisdom. And so often, us as, as, as human beings, we hear God say something to us, and, and our thought is, God, that is ridiculous. Why would I do that? God, I don't understand why you would ask me to do that. And so because I don't understand it, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something that I'm not supposed to do. And that's what Solomon was doing, is he was, he was saying, God, I don't understand why you told me not to marry these foreign women. And so because of that, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to move in my own wisdom. And, and it's, not, it's not like it's a bad decision. It's just not what God told him to do. And so he, he, he directly, in his pride, began saying, I don't need to follow God's lessons anymore. I don't need to be taught by God anymore. And this was where his fall came about. This was where he started um, losing his kingdom. This was where Solomon's fall came about. Somebody so humble who started and who, who was eager to be taught by God, who said, God, I don't understand how to rule this nation. I don't understand how to, how to steward this blessing you've given me. I don't understand how to run this company. God, I don't understand how to, how to deal in this office. God, I don't understand how to go with, um, with these students. Father, I don't understand how to deal with my influence with my friends. God, I don't understand how to do this. Please teach me how I can do better in this. Solomon started off like that. He said, God, please teach me how to run this kingdom. Help me to understand good and evil. And then what what ended up happening is he he grew in his own wisdom. He started saying, God, I don't need your teaching anymore. I'm good enough on my own wisdom. And so that's where Solomon's fall came about. And um, if, if the if the, if the worship team could come up, is, is as, as Solomon started in his fall, as he came down, um, there's a verse and it says that God took away the kingdom from Solomon. And so God appeared to Solomon and said, hey, because you have turned away from me, because you have turned away from what David did, my, David your father did, because you have turned your heart away from what I want, I'm going to take away your kingdom. And so it's so important. It's so important that we understand this lesson. Humility is not only a key to success, but humility, humility is the key to not failing. I mean, you know, that's kind of different. There's, there's keys to succeed, succeeding, and then there's keys to failing. Humility is both. Humility helps us not only rise in, in whatever situation or whatever station in your life, of life you're in. Humility helps us not only rise, but humility helps us stay there. So humility is so important. And so we're going to go back to the original question is, how do we get this humility? If Solomon rose from his humility and fell due to his pride, how do we gain this humility? How is it that we can become a humble person? And it's pretty simple. Is what it was is that Solomon put God first. 
And the, and, the, and the signs of humility that we recognize, the only reason that Solomon got it is because he understood, God, you gave David this kingdom. God, I can't do it on my own, but I know you can do this for me. God, I don't know, so God, can you teach me how to run this kingdom? Is Solomon understood, he put God first. By putting God first, we can grow in humility. If you, if you have your Bibles, we're, uh, just a couple more verses, it's Matthew 6, 33. And it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first God's kingdom. Seek first what God wants for your life. Seek first God's wisdom. Seek first God's teaching. Seek first God's desire for our hearts, and all these things will be added to you. Do you want to succeed in, in your school? Do you want to succeed in, in, your, in your business? Do you want to succeed in your office? Do you want to succeed in whatever work you're doing? Do you want to succeed in anything in life? Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek God first. Put God first, and all these things will be added to you. It says in Proverbs sixteen eighteen, uh, the one before that. Proverbs sixteen eighteen. It says, "Pride goes before a fall, and a haughty spirit, or pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall." God is not only He doesn't not only want us to not be proud; He resists the proud. But it says in, in um, James four six, it says, "But He gives more grace." Therefore. Um, therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we can understand pride is a huge downfall, and it's something that we all struggle with, and it's something we all need to learn how to deal with. But there is positive side of it, is that God gives grace to the humble, is that those who are willing to say, God, I don't know well enough, so I'm going to put you first so that you can teach me. God gives grace to that. God gives grace, and God blesses that. God says, yes, I see what you're doing and I'm going to bless you for that. Because Solomon asked for wisdom, I not only gave him wisdom, I gave him riches beyond comparison. I made silver as common as rocks in his kingdom. I can bless you, just put me first. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Solomon had his own wisdom, and Solomon was given wisdom from God, but he trusted in his own wisdom, and that's what led to his downfall, is his pride kept him from following God's wisdom. But in the same with us is we're given opportunities every day to trust in God's wisdom. We're given opportunities every day that we can say, God, I trust in you and your wisdom. I trust that you know better than I know. And that's often a lot, uh, something very difficult for us to do, but there's a huge blessing that comes with it is that not only will, will he bless us, but he will make our path straight. He will keep you going in the right direction. He will keep your business flourishing. He will keep your family strong. He will keep your grades high. He will keep this going and this going and this going. But if you, tr- if you only trust in him, trust that he knows what he's doing, he'll make your path straight. So we're just gonna close in prayer real quick. And so if everyone can bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want to pray for a, a couple different groups here. Um, one mainly, which I will raise my hand for big time, is that maybe pride is something that you struggle with. Maybe pride is a huge difficulty for you. Maybe it's tough for you to ask for help, or it's tough for you to say, God, I don't understand why you're doing this, so I'm going to do it my own way. Or God, I know better than you. Or, or maybe even um, recognizing your own successes rather than 
what helped you get there. And so I just want to pray that, that, that God gives this humility to us, that God teaches us to be humble. And not only teaches us to be humble, God will give us opportunities to exercise our humility. And so I'm just going to pray right now. Father, we just thank you so much. God, we thank you that you... We thank you that you know better than us, God. We thank you that you are greater than us. And Father, we thank you that you have brought us to the position that we're in, Father. Even to church today, God, we thank you that you have brought us here. And so, God, we ask right now that you will teach us to be humble, God, in our families, Father, in our workplaces, in our classrooms, in whatever we're in, Father, even with our friends, even with uh, those around us, God. We pray, God, that you teach us humility, Father. Make us humble people who seek after your wisdom, Father. Make us humble, Father. Move in our hearts to this, God. God, we just thank you so much that you are a God who wants us to be humble. And we thank you um, for everything you're doing in our lives. In your holy name, God. And then if everyone can keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, there's another group that I want to pray for. Um, maybe you're in here and this is the first time that you've um, really decided that you kind of want to follow God that you really want to humble yourself and follow God, that this, this point you're starting to realize that maybe a relationship with Jesus is something worth having, that maybe a relationship with Jesus is something that's worth it. Maybe, uh, maybe even it spoke to you that you want to succeed in life. But one thing I'll say to you is that the only way to succeed in life is to start a relationship with God. That is the easiest and best way to succeed. And so I just want to invite, if there's anybody here who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, I'd just like to invite you to start, start one. Um, and if, if you're here and that's you, I'm going to pray with you. And you can just pray with me and, and piggyback on my words. But I'd like to know who I'm praying with. So if this is you and you'd really like to start a relationship with Jesus and really like to start on this uh, walk of humility, um, we have a sign. If you could just look up and make eye contact with me. And that way I know I'm praying with you. If, if this is you, if you want to start a relationship with God. Amen. I see you. Yes, God. Is there anyone else? Yes, God. Father, we thank you so much that you sent your son to die for us, God. We thank you that even though we were far from you, and even though we turned from you, and even though we sinned and did wrong against you, God, we thank you that you still loved us. And God, I just ask that we humble ourselves right now and repent to you, God. We apologize for the way that we've been, God. We say sorry for turning away from you. And God, we turn back to you. We turn back to your teaching. We turn back to your will, God. And God, I pray that as we turn back to you, that you will help us. Give us the humility to be able to say that we're sorry, Father. God, we just thank you so much and we accept you into our lives right now, Father. We pray that in this moment that your son will come and live and live in us again. God, that we be humble enough to accept you once again, Father. And we just thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made. And God, we're so grateful for you. In your holy name, Father. Amen.